Welcome to the Midnight Entrepreneur. I'm your host, Ethan Bennett, alongside my fellow co-host, Tyler Sinden. We are both entrepreneurs who are learning, growing, and building our businesses, and our goal is to share our experiences and knowledge to help you grow and become a successful entrepreneur. Strap in. Tyler, here's your computer back. You can have this now. Thank you, Easton. Thank you. Thank you for uh, doing the intro. Yeah, no notes for Easton this episode. Oh, boy. We're going to see how that goes. I know. It's weird. I don't know what to do with my hands. Usually, I'm (laughs) kind of like touching my iPad a little bit, but I guess I'll just sit here like I'm in a job interview. What I've noticed when I'm editing the clips, you'll be talking, and then before you're finishing, you're going to trail off to your iPad, so it'll be better for the clips because you're not going to be trailing down to your iPad to look at what's coming next. So That's what I like to do. I like to just not look at anybody and just stare at a screen, Um, but yeah, we'll we'll figure it out. That's good. I'll I'll try to focus on that in future episodes, too, not doing that so much. This is a little loosey-goosey here. Yeah. So what's going on with you? I don't, I don't, you you prepped and ready for that part? Uh, I wasn't, but you know, it's just been a hectic week. When was it? Did we film last Wednesday or last Thursday, Tuesday, Monday, maybe Tuesday. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been crazy. Three shoots to round out last week. And then the weekend was uh, busy. We had a shoot on Sunday together and then this week again, crazy. And then next week, five shoots in five days. So it's been a little bit hectic, nothing to update as far as business goes. I mean, landed a couple jobs. Um, one today for, uh, five to six grand somewhere in there. And then a client that I've been working with trying to get them on a longer term deal, uh, decided last Friday that they wanted to rock and roll the project. So pretty good week as far as that goes. But other than that, nothing crazy this weekend, I'll be finished painting my house. There's one room left. So that's exciting news. So that by the time you guys are listening to this, it'll be already be completed. Tyler, other than that, what's new with you in the last week or so? Yeah, one of the things that you did mention was me coming on a shoot with you guys. So it was really interesting checking out your flow, just seeing how you work and with everyone around you. That is one of my questions that I will be leading into or asking about. So yeah, it was just really cool being on the job and actually getting paid. I've I've gotten paid before for droning, but yeah, it was it was it was cool being there. And I also went on another one for BTS as well. So. It was just cool being on on set for a couple shoots. You had a small injury in the I last did. week. I did. Yeah, it was funny because you were like, I don't trust you. And it was like a really windy day and had the drone. And I was like, fuck it, I'll just go out and do it. And I just yeah. went too fast and got cut on my finger. But you know what? We're surviving. It's a battle wound. For the people that don't know, he told me to reach up and grab the drone out of the air so we could stop flying it. And I said, hey, man, just land it on the ground. That would be maybe a better idea. <laughs> but it's a dirt road. I don't want to. La- I don't like doing that. <sighs> That's all right. Um, tried to land it in the back of the pickup. But Tyler went up to grab it, uh, reached a little bit too far, cut his finger. Uh, and we had to do some first aid on the job <laughs> in the middle of the North Dakota country. Yeah, so, it was freezing. <laughs> yeah, it was cold. Tyler's not used to the cold. So he was shivering, trying to hold the controller. Uh, and I was, you know, built for tough, I like to say. And, uh, but yeah, it went well. I thought the shoot went well and I'm excited to get into it. Yeah. Another thing that we're, we got going on is Riley and I have, I've been saying this for a while is we want to sell out of our products and what we've been doing just hasn't been working. And obviously probably haven't been putting enough effort into trying to move it forward and get the ball rolling. But what we're going to be resorting to is running some Google ads, not Google ads, Facebook ads, maybe running some Google ads, maybe some retargeting, some shop shopping ads. But as of right now, it's just going to be Facebook and we might be reaching out to do some UGC or maybe see what, see if you're willing to help out and yeah. create some, create some videos. I don't know if it's going to be like, it's most likely going to be UGC, but like yeah. something like that. And yeah, so that's our, our goal is just selling out of that. And then it was funny because when I was on the call with him, he's like, yeah. So if we had a goal of selling out everything within the year, 
And then I was just doing the math in my head. I'm like, fuck, that's like two orders a day, which honestly, some people might yeah. hear hear that. And it's like, well, that's not a lot. But like for the, for us, that's a lot the beginning, yeah. to, to be able to sell out of everything. It's like two per day. It's like, fuck, we've been going from like 10 per month and now yeah. five to 10 per month. And now we're going to be going to two per day if we want to sell out. So it's like, how much are we willing to put behind the ad spend? And it's like, let's just break even. Let's try and learn a bit from it. And so that's one, one big move that we're going to be trying to make here. Retail is so interesting, man. I, went through not the same thing, but when I started that uh, clothing company, when I was in high school, selling retail is a whole different beast than trying to sell your services or sell yourself because you physically have to like not convince someone to buy the product, but it's kind of what it is. So I've always not been weary of the uh, retail world, but I don't have a ton of expertise in it. So it's always interesting hearing uh, the strategies you guys are going about because better you guys than, than me. <laughs> yeah, that is one one question that I did want to get into later. And last thing I want to just say is I'm starting up my old business that I did start. And like I haven't really just starting the website and yep. trying to get baby steps, trying to get forward, move forward with it. So, yeah, just I heard the it sounded like he was doing a fantasy football draft on the couch the other day. It was like. <laughs> Ding, ding, and oh. you're on the chat with the website people getting the website set up. So yeah, I, I was had, like, what the hell's issues. going on over there? Yeah, it was. It's funny because I was just thinking, I was like, if I'm going to be offering these services, I don't even know how to do it for myself. And yeah. I was just like struggling to get it set up because there was like some DNS issue, and because I bought it through Google and then the domain through Google, and then I bought the hosting through SiteGround. Okay, and then they had to like it has to be set up to redirect to SiteGround. And then I just had a little, little issue there. And okay. Yeah. Cause it's new frame digital beforehand. It was mainly video production services. Are you going to be, uh, do you want to release this? Do you want to go into a different Avenue? I mean, leaving it as digital, which is nice yeah. that you named it that because mm -hmm. it allows you a little bit more flexibility. If you said new frame video production, yeah, that's a little bit harder to do. Yeah. I'm that's where I'm struggling at right now is coming up with the, what I'm going to be offering the services and that's also one thing that I'm struggling with with the website is coming up with the copy of what I'm going to include on the website. So just trying to figure out what I want to offer. And I think I want to just like choose one thing and be the best at that. And then like maybe not really advertise it on the website, but maybe say local type services. Like I will do some photo, video, drone yeah. or help you out with your marketing or building a website locally. But I just, I just think maybe doing the way I'm leading right now is like Google ads or Facebook ads, just because I'm able to reach a much wider audience and then I can like do your cold, cold messaging and yeah. stuff like that. So that's where I'm somewhat leaning towards. I, I like the idea of niching down because now that I think about it more about my own business, I'm offering more services that I'm not tackling. So now we're doing landing pages where they can set up a landing page and I have a contact, whether it's you know, you, we've discussed you doing ad stuff or another guy I have for ad stuff. I've started throwing that in these meetings that it's available <laughs> if you guys want it. So I remember starting super niche on video production. And now that, you know, five years in, it's not, I'm still not offering the services myself, but at least I have some connections to be like, oh, we could do this and that. So mm -hmm. I like that you're thinking about starting on one specific thing yeah. and then branching out. But I just did an interview, must've been Tuesday of when we're filming this. I think that's what I need to get better on is speaking in terms of when we're filming and when it releases. I filmed an interview recently and it was with a gentleman that owns a photography studio and he was talking about how your Instagram page page, you should niche down as much as you can. So you're talking to a specific audience and I was never really a fan of niching down until he explained it to me and he likes MMA and he likes food and 
you know, other things, but his is strictly fashion, his pages on fashion. And then he said, it's so much easier to blow up that way. So I'm starting to change my mindset a little bit on that. Um, but what did yeah. he say that made you change your, change your mindset? It was more so seeing the proof. Like he, I know he likes MMA and I know he likes photography and I know he likes, uh, he's kind of a foodie, mm-hmm. but seeing that his page is strictly like he's dressing in nice suits, sewing nice. I cannot get my S's out today. Showing nice watches, um, you know, shoes, downtown, nice locations. That's his whole brand. And he's been able to amass about 18,000 followers, I think, and start to get brand deals and get paid for that kind of stuff. So that's when I was like, okay, maybe he is on to something a little bit. I'm not going to do it with my business, but the personal page, I'm just focusing on content that will help a client grow with video. Okay. Whereas before I post some personal content and yeah. then I post a little bit of, well, this is for videographers and then this stuff's more for clients, but now I'm focusing on content that strictly helps a client. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, it's been about a week since I've been posting that, but we'll see. I posted a TikTok video that said something about make this one simple fix. So mm-hmm. people see your videos mm-hmm. and it got like 300 views and some mm-hmm. guy commented on it and he's like, this is going well. bro kind of failed. <laughs> and I was I, like, yeah, I was like long term, buddy, long term. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's kind of interesting to see that. Yeah. So moving into our biz or article, what is it? Current, current News event? topic, current event. Yeah. Current event. Yeah. So basically what it is, is Apple rolling out a 4.15% savings account. I can read a little bit on it here. What it is, is there's no fees, no minimum deposits and no balance requires requirements. Users can easily set up and manage their savings account directly from Apple card in their wallet. So which is super interesting because you've I've heard personally a lot of creators talk about high yield savings account, mm-hmm. which that would fall under at 4.15, did you say? Mm-hmm. So 4.15% for the people that don't know, a regular savings account you might get at a Wells Fargo or a Chase bank account, whatever it is, is going to be minuscule, 0.001% or 0.01%, whereas this is 4.15%. So it's mm-hmm. super beneficial to actually have your money at least make a little bit of money sitting in account rather than making literally nothing. And it's not even keeping up with inflation. So that's super interesting to see. And there's no, uh, no cost to it. No fees. Yeah. It says it's 10 times the national average. There's some other stuff in here that I'm trying to find that I can't exactly find, but there's, it's just stuff attached to the new savings account. Um, Benefits that Apple Card already offers with absolutely no fees, daily cash on every purchase, and tools that encourage users to pay less Apple Card interest, all while all while offering privacy and security users expect from Apple. Do so, you think you're going to get one? You're going to look into it at all? Um, I don't have a savings account. I don't know. Okay, I don't know. You just you have, have one this, checking account. Yeah, I got a checking account, and then I got a TFSA in Canada, yeah. which is very similar to a Roth IRA. Except it's better. I yeah. like to say that because like I can withdraw it at any time and there's no tax deductibles or mm-hmm. anything like that. So I can, and the other cool thing is that it builds up over time. So yeah. say I don't, so with the Roth IRA, you have the max that you deposit every single year. So you, I think it's like 6,500. Yep. And then with the TFSA, same thing, except if I miss a year, it builds up. You can up. go back. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. I remember you talking about that. Mm-hmm. So the, I, I really like that aspect of it. And that's kind of been my mindset recently is I want to like, sure, it might be smart to put the money in, but if I, I want to make like millions and then I, and then I can go back and just like, oh, I can put this $50,000 yeah. in that I've missed over the 10 years or whatever it is. Yeah. 
I wonder if you can do that with a Roth. I'm not entirely no, sure. You no, can't. No. You, it, it's every Absolutely. single year, every single year, and then okay. it resets every single year. So that's kind of cool uh, about the Canadian one. Then yeah. I personally do have a savings account, so I have a personal checking and a personal savings, and then a Roth IRA account, which is not attached to my bank accounts, and then I think four or five business accounts. <laughs> so a business account, and it's from the book Profit First. I, yeah. I don't know if we've yeah. talked about this, but an income, an operating expenses account, a tax account, profit account, and then just kind of setting those up. It's all one business, but it's just to separate your money just a little bit. So do you see yourself getting this Apple Apple or savings account? I think maybe down the road, like I don't keep a ton of money in my savings account Okay. just because I try to live. Do you have an Apple card? Yep. Okay. That was the first credit card I ever got. Um, It's the only one that I would get accepted (laughs) for. Um, But I think when I start putting more money into my savings account right now, I just pay myself the absolute minimum I can survive off of just so I can keep money in the business and keep growing the business. But, um, maybe down the road, uh, I could look into that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I feel like it's, I think the other good thing about this is that it provides competition. That's the good thing about capitalism where now that app, like there's so many things that are, it's going to be shaking the economy because of this, but with them doing this, it's going to force the other banks to either do this or Apple's just going to get so massive because everyone's just going to want to go there and they're just going to be handing, people's just going to be handing them money. And then all of a sudden, Apple has all this extra cash on hand to play with. Isn't it crazy that Apple started as a computer company and now yeah. it's literally it's a, a bank? bank. Yeah. yeah. It's weird to think about because yeah. computers and they went to taking you know over. iPods, iPhones. Now they, I think they were even looking at doing cars at one point. Oh yeah, yeah, they were yeah, yeah. automatic uh, for competing with Tesla. Yeah, and now they have literally a bank, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I'm not sure if it would uh, because I'm. I know there's a lot of regulations within like the banking and financial industry, so I'm not sure if somehow all of Apple is going to get tied into that, or if they're going to fall under that, or if they're even going to be classified as a bank. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see how that plays out as well. It's weird. They're almost becoming a company that's doing everything, <laughs> like how Yamaha. Export. Yeah, how Yamaha makes. Uh, motorsports and then they also make pianos oh yeah, yeah isn't yeah. that what yeah. it is or yeah, honda or something yeah so it's like i don't know it's weird to wrap your mind around that they make phones but they're also a bank and they have billions of dollars just from everyday people i don't know it's, it's gonna weird. be crazy weird to think about but so what do you think about that do you think it's good good for the economy bad oh yeah know. it just seems like they're gonna be a massive conglomerate I want them to be. Honestly, I love new things. <laughs> I love Apple. Yeah, I don't think Apple I am. Watch, a, I am an Apple fanboy, but I don't think it. I don't know what the harm is. You know, Apple getting more market share and being bigger. I don't know. I like new things. Anytime <laughs> new thing comes in, I'm on board. So yeah. Do you? I think I think it makes banks level up though. But at the same time, like a lot of people don't like the banks, and and especially with SVB, everyone was getting scared. So I don't know. It'll be interesting because now like Apple, like what if Apple just becomes a bank and then all of a sudden they own everything and they're a monopoly. But I think there's going to be laws and regulations that do get put in place. But yeah, we'll have to see where it goes. I mean, I'm, I'm not down on it. Like obviously it could go completely south, but in the meantime, I'm going to enjoy it. Yeah. So moving into this episode, I know you talked a little bit about it going at the start of the episode here. But what this episode is going to be on is Easton's beginning story and how he got to where he is today and all that. that. Cheers button. <laughs> I don't know if I have it right now. But I think yeah. there's one actually on the soundboard. <laughs> That'd be funny. So what I would like to ask you, Easton, 
do you intend to tell the truth, the full truth, <laughs> and everything but the truth? <laughs> uh, sure. Sure. Okay. And before we get started, hopefully you guys enjoyed uh, Tyler's episode last week. Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed the question side of things. I enjoy interview style podcasts and even conversations like that. So that was a fun one for me. And hopefully this one is just as fun. And now you get to be on the other side. Yeah, I know. I'm at the helm of everything. I'm kind of running this show. Yep. This is the first time I've done it. Usually you're the one conducting the meetings. So How does it feel? It's I'm the captain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's nice just sitting over here. Just just being, being along for the ride. Twiddling the thumbs. Yeah, it's a little bit more nerve wracking. I remember when Broden, when he was the man in charge for yep. his episode, it, it was completely different atmosphere for him, environment. So oh, yeah, yeah, it's completely different when you're in charge. And I feel like you run run the podcast and interviews really well. So try to run a tight ship around here. <laughs> All right. So getting into the first question here, elevator pitch. What do you do? I know um, you said this last time, but if, yeah. if you didn't catch it last time. I haven't even perfected it, but I help companies grow their business. Uh, what was it? <laughs> gotta have this unlocked yeah i should have uh well there's two there's a, like a youtube one that i think i mentioned last week and then there's like the, you LinkedIn, looked up on bio, LinkedIn. the linkedin bio so the linkedin bios we help uh businesses grow their uh companies through targeted video marketing okay now the businesses and companies the words can interchange there i'll perfect it i'll sit in front of the mirror in the morning but yeah we, <laughs> we basically say it to yourself five times every morning yes affirmations but yeah. it's just your uh, elevator pitch but we help businesses grow their companies through targeted video marketing strategies cool so it's basically what it is and then the linkedin bio i actually added if you don't like it you don't pay but <laughs> haven't had to enforce that at all cool it's just kind of an offer builder you know how long did that take you to come up with uh about 15 seconds because i pretty much didn't steal it from somebody else but tweaked it from a different video production person. I was like, okay, I'll just kind of rock and roll the same. I do the same thing. Oh, so oh, five years and 15 seconds. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> five years. And I was like, I should just do that 15 seconds right there. Yeah. So, okay, cool. I like that. So origin story, how and why did you get into the business world? So the reason I got into the business world, and I've told this a lot of times, I've spoken to high school classes before, uh, which is always fun. It's funny talking to high school classes, trying to make them laugh and no one ever laughs. So I don't know if I'm not funny or what, but hopefully you guys laugh um, if I throw any jokes in this episode. But the reason I got started in the business world is one, I've only had one job in my life. I was working as a, a bag boy at a golf shop. Pretty much members come in, you scrub their clubs, they give you $5. You call it a day stuff. And I uh, did that for a couple summers. And then that's the only job I ever had. Uh, when I moved back from Canada, I decided that I was playing hockey up there. I decided that I didn't really want to work for anybody. I don't like working for anybody. I don't like having to show up to a job when I'm supposed to. And then it felt so limiting. It felt capped. And I think that's why I started the business I did in high school, which is a hockey clothing company. Excuse me a hockey clothing company uh, that I had to do for a class project. We had to build a business plan. I thought, well, why don't I just build a business plan that is actually a business I could start? And at the time, I wanted to be a clothing company that was almost like sauce hockey. I don't know if you're familiar, but they had uh, they used to work with Paul Bissonette, and they would have these graphic design t-shirts, almost like what Barstool's doing. And that's what I wanted to do in the beginning. So that was the first business I started. But I always knew that I wanted to work for myself, and then I wanted to start something. It was just figuring out what that was. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you did mention the business of sauce hockey, or what was it called? Yeah, plug hockey company. Plug hockey. What it's called. Plug hockey company. Okay, so that was going to be leading into like my next questions here. Um, basically, what was it? Why did you start it? You kind of touched that. Did you have any help? How were you able to start it up and know what to do? Like, yeah. So we again, we had to do it in entrepreneurship class in my senior year of high school. 
And people were starting lawn mowing businesses and I'm going to start a beauty parlor and all this. I thought, well, I'm just going to sell t-shirts and then I can actually sell t-shirts. And at the time I wanted to start it because I thought I could become a millionaire starting this t-shirt yeah. company, yeah. sweatshirts and hats. Yep. I was soon shown the light that that was not, that was not the case. Um, Definitely. So I started it and the way I started, I, I had access to Photoshop in the class. So I would okay. just make these designs uh, during class. And then my business teacher would help with everything. Okay. Then my uncle helped me a little bit getting the document set up. It was just a DBA. So Ethan Bennett doing business as uh, plug hockey co. And that's kind of the startup. I just started creating designs and then sending them over. I worked with a local print shop and they just started getting them on t-shirts. And then after that, I tried to sell them. Wasn't a very good salesperson at all. I didn't like selling to people. And I always say, it's hard to sell a $25 t-shirt when I personally wear $5 target t-shirts everywhere yeah. I go. Yeah. So that's where I think the imbalance came from on morally. I didn't feel right charging people money, whereas I was kind of a penny pincher myself. Okay. So that's what I think the downfall was. But yeah, that was pretty much the start as I, I had it in high school and I wanted to get rolling on it. And then those are the people that helped me. So when you went to this third party to put the prints on the shirts. Did you have to buy in bulk or was it like drop shipping where you could just say, Hey, I got an order, just fulfill it. Or how, how would that work? Bought in bulk. So went online and bought t-shirts, but okay, here's a hundred white t-shirts and you got 20 of each size. And then I just brought them up to the company and they printed them for me. So mm-hmm. didn't get any discounts in the beginning. Didn't Damn. eventually I moved to drop shipping when I moved up to Canada cause I couldn't actually handle the inventory, but I could handle it like I could definitely hold on to it, but I couldn't yeah. handle shipping it out and then going through customs and all that. So I eventually went to drop shipping printful and then that's when that transition was made. But yeah, in the beginning I was just ordering a shit ton of stuff and I don't even know where I got the money to be honest with you. So it wasn't even a local company that you found here or it was someone like you found online. What it, year was this? This was 2016, 2017. Okay. That's pretty um, okay. So, you know, six, seven yeah. years ago. And the company I bought online was Bella Canvas, I think the brand was. Okay. And then the sweatshirts were just Gildan. Everyone has a Gildan sweatshirt. And then I just ordered those from the website. Uh, and obviously you got discounts for ordering, depending on how much you order. If you order a thousand, get a discount. Uh, but you know, if you order a hundred, you don't get as big of a discount. So I just ordered those online. They would come on, come in a big box. And then I would just bring that box up to the local printing company. They'd take them all and print them. And then I'd okay. just come pick them up. So that's really what the process was like. They also offered to purchase the clothing like hey we'll get it printed and just get it to you but their cost was higher so Uh i just ordered it on my own and then brought it up there but yeah that's that's kind of how it started in the beginning just found it online and then just went from there cool so did you have any like lessons from this first business that you started that maybe you want to share yeah you really got to pound the pavement with retail i think uh i was scared to ask people for sales I just thought organically I would yep. want them to do it. Same. And I didn't want to, you know, push people into, oh, buy my shirt, buy my uh, sweatshirt. And, and that's kind of really what it comes down to in the beginning, unless you got a really hit product, yeah. whatever it is. Okay. And I learned that you need to build a brand. People don't buy just a random product. They want to build a brand, what the how it changes their life, uh, the lifestyle that it gives them. The story. Yeah, exactly. And then you know, getting into retail stores. I got into one. Oh, did Duffy's you? hockey and sports. I think it was almost oh, yeah. a, pi- Local a, here. a pity. Yeah. Uh, it's like, Hey Duffy, can I put, um, can I That's put awesome. 25 shirts here? And he said, yeah, for sure. And it was a couple hundred dollar order at cool. the time. I was like, Oh my gosh, $200. <laughs> big time. Yeah. It's insane. And then I set up a couple pop-up shops at the rink. Cool. 
where I would just sell hats and t-shirts at a regular booth with a wrinkled old uh, thing over a folding table. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of what it stemmed from. But yeah, that's what I really learned is that it's really hard retail to get going in the beginning. I think eventually you might hit an exponential explosion, but you really got to pound the pavement. Yeah. One thing that you don't really realize with retail, retail has so much inventory, like extra small, small, medium, large, yep. extra large, double. And then you got all this inventory and then you got to sell out. And then you really, same thing with shoes. Like there's so many different sizes, like wide, yep. nine and a half, 10, all that shit. And you really got to have like all this inventory and then you got to, pay attention to like data and analytics, what sells the most, what mm-hmm. doesn't sell. How that's can, what I didn't look at all. The exactly. It's like, it. let's just get 20 of each. Yep. And then, and then all of a sudden you get all orders for medium or large. And then you get no orders for like extra small or double XL. I learned that after my first order. Cause I had a shit ton of designs too. So I was, I think I started the business with a thousand dollars. I think I maybe had it in my savings account. Um, and that's what I learned right away. It's like, I don't need, as many double XLs as I do mediums and larges yeah. because it's not the common size. Yep. Um, so I think I had a sample order and then I, it kind of struck with me before I put in a big order, which was good. But yeah, it's managing the inventory. It was a nightmare. So quitting, people always say, don't quit. Like just stick it through. You obviously quit this. What made you quit or what was the deciding factor on that? A couple things. So I was in Canada and it was hard to grow the business and play hockey. Mm -hmm. I think I was spreading my time too much where it's like my hockey was maybe being limited because I was working on the business, which didn't really make sense. I mean, if it was this big business, I was making a ton of money. (laughs) Awesome. But like priorities are obviously playing junior hockey and trying to win a championship. Uh, So it really slowed down up there. And then at some point I just realized the margins on a retail product and not saying all retail products, you know, if I'm selling hot tubs, uh, might be $4,000 that you're making in profit. Uh, profit. But a t-shirt, if I'm getting them for 12 and I'm selling them for 20, you're only making eight bucks. Well, how many t-shirts do you have to sell to make a freaking living? Yeah. A lot of t-shirts. So that's when I kind of realized, I'm like, I don't want to have to sell a thousand shirts a day yeah. to make good money. So I think that's when eventually when that clicked in my head, I thought, okay, I'm going to move away from this. But through this, when creating all the marketing content, the videos and the photos and growing the social media pages, I think that's where I started to see that I enjoyed the creative side of things, which maybe propelled me into the next venture. Okay. Okay. So before we get into after this uh, segment of your life, whatever you want to call it, was there someone that had an impact on you that made you want to become an entrepreneur? I don't know if there was anyone around me in my tighter circle that influenced me to becoming a business owner and entrepreneur, but I did watch an absurd amount of Gary Vaynerchuk videos. I think everyone did back then. Yeah, he dude, was it was, I, he used to have uh daily V yeah. whereas every single day he would yeah. post a vlog of what he was doing. And I, I binged watch those things. man. <laughs> so I think he was really the, propeller to get me into the next area of business where I really want to do this. I want to explore and his philosophies. I really resonated with some of them. Now I've heard so many times that it's just like white noise to me, but that would be the biggest proponent. I don't think there was any, anyone like locally though. Like my parents are both, you know, my mom works at a hospital. My dad's a teacher. So there's nothing there. Um, I've got a couple of family members that have businesses, but it wasn't like we were having conversations like, oh, you should do this. So I think it was a lot of just self. I, I just did it on my own. I just wanted to do it. But a lot of it attributes to uh, Gary Vee. And then the the YouTubers that were in the video uh, and photo world also helped. Okay. 
So that somewhat leads into my next question, whatever my next question is. So obviously there's a gap from, hey, pay attention. <laughs> obviously there's a gap from, <laughs> from the text about the shoot after this, <laughs> from plug hockey co to where you are now. You're obviously not running that anymore. What happened after you quit and was there a gap and then did you go straight into it? What, what are you doing now? Because we're missing about four years. Yeah. So, five. yep. So when I, I was in Canada operating this and it was probably uh, my first year that I kind of put a kibosh on it. I think the last project was, I don't know if you remember the Humboldt bus crash, Oh yeah. but the bus crash up in Canada and I did a design for hats and t-shirts uh, and then the proceeds went to Humboldt. I didn't even sell that many. It was like 10 hats and then a few shirts. Okay. Um, so that went there and then that was kind of like the send off the hurrah of, okay, I think I'm done with this now. And then I came home, worked in the summer, went up to Canada my second year. Wait, worked. Where'd you work? Same place. Yeah. You said you only had one job. Okay. Uh, did I? Yeah, I did. Um, yeah. Just back at, I okay. don't know if I did. I can't remember. Clubs? It's foggy. Okay. Um, Sorry. I think maybe though. All right. Let's just pretend I did. Okay. So then second year I went back up to Canada and I was going to start this business influencer festival. I don't really know what it was. Oh, I, wanted I signed to, up for that. Yeah. <laughs> I remember seeing that. <laughs> I wanted to create this uh, event at the sleep in where one day was for a bunch of adults where they would business professionals would go there and they'd listen to speakers and there'd be booths you could talk about. And then I wanted one day for kids, high school and college age kids, and they could go there and hear the same exact speakers. And then again, just a business networking type event, kind of like a conference. And I put this huge thing on and then I was planning it all while I was in Canada and it was supposed to happen in Minot right when I got back, mm -hmm. which was difficult because I wasn't actually there. And then I ended up having to cancel it because I didn't sell like any tickets. Like I sold a minimal <laughs> amount of tickets and I'm like, I can't do this. Like I have like 300 tickets set up and I haven't even sold uh 10% of them. So that's when I decided to cancel that. And a couple speakers dropped out last minute. They were going to speak it. And then they said they can. I was like, well, okay, that's shitty, which I learned about. Maybe we should have contracts, yeah. um, but they were doing it for free. So canceled the event. Uh, and then after that, I decided when I moved home, I was going to do this video production thing. I didn't know anything about video production, but I had started to learn a little bit as I was, as I was in Canada, I was making YouTube videos, learning a lot about it. I wanted to be this internet personality. And then I filmed a video for my uncle when I got back to Minot, uh, his business, and then just kind of went running with it from there. Yeah, I remember seeing, I don't know, I was probably in deck and I was looking yeah. up conferences or business events, like, and we're in Minot, so there's obviously not going to be anything crazy big or crazy good. And then I I saw that, and then I'm pretty sure shortly after that, you were doing the the video for DAC jam and mm. I didn't, we'd never met at the time, but I saw you in that event and then I was going to ask yeah. you about it. I don't know if I did or not, but that was like my first time remember. like seeing you. I, I feel like I might've mentioned it. I, I'm pretty sure I do remember saying something like yeah. that. So, so was that like, so filming that DAC jam, how new was that from you and your business? <sighs> that was 2019. Is that when it was? <sighs> I want to say 2018, 2018, 2019. So 2018, I want to say it was the spring of 2019 because I had got back the 17, 18, 18, oh, it was 19. So I had got back, I don't know when it was. I think I was doing video for about eight months at the time. Okay. And I had done a documentary for the Minot Vistas, which is a local Legion baseball team. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that was kind of what I did for the summer. And I wanted to document that to show us what I could do. 
okay. got a job offer after one of the executives at one of the news stations saw that documentary. Mm-hmm. I was actually in the office looking for a song from Nick. You know, Nick, we yep, just filmed yep, with him. We did. And he's like, hey, do you want a job? And then I completely uh, missed the job interview. Uh, it was yeah, on Zoom. Yeah. And I just missed the whole thing. And then I emailed him. I was like, oh, my gosh, I went to my spam. Can we reschedule? And he's like, we already filled that position, but I'll keep you in mind. I was like, sweet. I'm going to have to keep doing this business thing. So then my first year. work. Yeah, my first year, I think I made $8,000. And I was like, wow, this is a little difficult because my my parents gave me a two-year window. I still live in their basement. Oh, okay. They gave me a two-year window to because they wanted me to go to Monet State for business. And I said, give me two years. If it doesn't work, I'll go back to school. So after eight grand the first year, I was like, oh, gosh, I'm going to have to start enrolling in classes. And then the spring was the DAC Gen video. And it was, it was still fairly new. Uh, fake it till you make it with all of the ideas. But yeah, after that, I uh, landed some some jobs that got me through and then from there it was just growth okay so you did kind of mention it with the youtubers is that what got you into video and videography in this industry yeah i wanted to i actually stole my parents camera when i was in canada and i want to start this youtube show like a jimmy fallon type show where i was interviewing my uh teammates and i don't know if they're unlisted on youtube now i'm pretty sure i might have watched them where you're like sitting on a dining room table yep so that was at my billet uh family's house and the segments we were doing in there were not PG-13. I think one of them was like, <laughs> name that animal penis. And then I would just show them pictures of an animal's penis. And then they oh would have to God. guess what animal it was. So it was supposed to be funny and fun like that, which I thought it was. I didn't know anything about cameras, but that's really what jump started. Uh, I wanted to start this show and that's what it was. Um, looking back on it now, it's like, okay, do you really want to play that game? I think that's why they're unlisted now. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a fun time for sure. There was, uh, you know, debates. We would do debates and while playing Jenga. Mm-hmm. So it was it was fun stuff like that. But that's really got, what got me started into it. Okay. So over the last few years, you've had, I'd say, some pretty good growth. What would you say was like attributed? I'm just trying to yeah. catch up to kind of present, present day present because day. then I do have some questions that I do want to ask. But I, I got, I would say, it. yeah, I would say it's consistency for sure. I mean, the last five years I've been doing it and it hasn't been sunshine and rainbows for the last five years. And it's, you know, still not today. Like there's good weeks and there's bad weeks. There's good months, mm-hmm. bad months, but just staying consistent that, Hey, I want to do this video thing, whether it's shitty for four months straight or great for four months straight, I'm still going to do it. And then every day getting better every single day. So whether that's editing a video, trying to figure out a new editing style, getting quicker or figuring out a new way to shoot things, uh, learning new things. So it's really just staying consistent and building on that compound growth of I'm getting better every single day. And then the second part I would say is investing back in the business. The very beginning, I think the first shoot I did or the second shoot I did was a Home Depot light with a <laughs> cardboard box with printer paper taped to the outside as the soft box. Love and it. I was like, they'll love this. And I just taped it to the outside as Home Depot. <laughs> At least you light. don't got an iPhone camera. Yeah, exactly. So then that was the first light. And then uh, I went into, which is crazy, the amount of money that I was getting paid to do that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, or was trying to charge. Yeah. Looking back now, it's ridiculous. But um, that's what got started. And then investing back in the business, getting as much gear as I could, upgrading the equipment and having better quality because at the end of the day you have to have good quality and then you can grow the business from there if you start with shitty quality and then just really refine your sales process it's not going to matter because your shit sucks but <laughs> if it's good quality and you got that on lock and then you can kind of start to build out the business yeah so one of my questions was actually about consistency because you have been doing this for five years and some people might look at that and be like oh that's not a lot at all but then there's other people that will start a business and quit after say a couple months six months a year and they won't stick it out for that long term. What's been the key factor in you staying consistent, being able to stay for five years? Because yeah, 
I just, I don't even think it hasn't even felt like five years, you know, and yeah. maybe it's like four and a half, four ish, five. Um, but I don't look at it as well. Will I be doing this for five years? It's like, Hey, this is what I'm doing. That's, that's it. Your identity. Uh, yeah, exactly. So it's like, this is my thing, video production. So I'm not like, well, am I going to do this in five years? Ideally I'm going to do this forever. Um, whether it's actually filming stuff or just operating a film company, but yeah, it's just, it, it never felt like time was going by. Now you look at it and it's like, oh my gosh, I've been doing this for a long time. But mm-hmm. in the daily looking at it, uh, you know, day to day, week to week, month to month, you don't even notice it until, you know, you do an interview like this and then you're like, yeah. oh shit, I have been doing this for that long. Yeah. So one thing that you often say is that you don't like video editing. Oh, it sucks. Did you like <laughs> video editing in the start? Like, how did you get over that hump? Like, did it, you just did it so much that it became something that you didn't like or it's not that I don't like it. It's just such a time suck. Okay. It takes so long. Yeah. Um, whereas I feel like I can be making more money and getting more jobs, but okay. the video editing is just, it takes, you know, if a video takes eight hours, that's a full day just mm-hmm. gone. So in the beginning, I really enjoyed it because you're learning, learning new ways. It's like, Oh, now I have these shortcuts. This is going to be awesome. Or yeah. now I have this. So you learn a lot of new ways and a lot of new things to adapt to. But then eventually, you know, I know final cut, the editing software, like the back of my hand, so it's a little bit easier to just do everything and it feels monotonous. Whereas in the beginning you were learning, it was exciting. But yeah, now the editing is, I hate sifting through footage and interviews. I think I'd maybe enjoy it a little bit more if I had someone to do that and just kind of set it for me on a gold plate and say, now just do the polishing edits. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the whole process is so time consuming. Yeah. Yeah. I, I <laughs> Being here with you and just listening to you editing, it's like hearing the same thing over and over and over and over yep. again for like two hours. And it's just like, man, are you, you, you go to, oh yeah, you go crazy. It's like, and yeah, and this is what we do in a bit. And yeah, and this is what we do. This is, it, that's what it sounds like. Cause yeah. I'm just constantly scrubbing the timeline. You hear the same audio over and over. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it gets a little monotonous from time to time. Yeah. So now that we're basically caught up to present day, what was one biz or what was one of your best decisions to progress your business forward? And one of your worst decisions? Best decision would be to one, I saved a lot of money by staying in my parents' house as long as I could. So really the only bill I have, and this is what I would tell the high school students too, is expenses. Yeah. I had to pay for my Jeep payment. That's about all. I had a $330 Jeep payment and that's all the money. So I knew I was like, I just need to make around $2,400 this year and I'm good. Uh Um, my parents didn't like that because they're still feeding me, but investing as much into the business as I could. And then investing in yourself as much as possible. Because I took a course, full-time filmmaker, that's, it really expedited learning everything and, you know, learning as much as I could through YouTube videos. I remember just binge watching YouTube videos and then going out there and shooting as much as I could. So just fully diving into the business world and not being half pregnant and being full on, I'm going to do, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it as much as I can. So that would be the best thing. The worst thing I would say is. I would say in the beginning, it's almost discipline. You feel as a business owner, you want to live that business owner life where you can kind of do whatever you want. Whereas now that I'm older and I understand it, I've been doing it for a while. You still have to treat it as a job. Yeah, It is fun working for yourself, getting to make your own schedule. But if you really want to grow it and make it into something memorable and that has longevity, then you need to treat it like that rather than, oh, it's just a side hobby where I can just fuck off and do whatever I want. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people do get that thought that it's going to be all sunshine and rainbows. You're going to be able to do whatever you want, whenever you want. 
And it's really not that. And it's funny because my girlfriend all the time says, you know, if we're talking to someone, she's like, ah, oh, he's unemployed. So just don't worry about <laughs> it. And it's, it's funny because, uh, you know, I work from home. So a lot of times yeah. people might think, well, he works from home. He probably does nothing. But I am sitting on my computer for, you know, 10, 12, 13 hours a day. It's like that scene from the social network where he goes, I'm an entrepreneur. And then she goes, oh, so you're unemployed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's like, I started Napster. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I thought you were going to go one route um, because I did hear it on a sales call recently. And you said it was the first time that it did happen. But one of your best decisions that I thought you might have said, maybe it's too early to say it but starting your My Not Business podcast because when you were on that sales call, she brought up that that she has listened to your business yeah. podcast and she's like, you're a great marketer. So it's definitely, it's, say. yeah, it's definitely top five. I mean, meeting people has helped a ton. It's, it's hard to, early. yeah, and it's really early. We haven't even been doing it for a year. We just filmed episode 47. So we're coming up on a year, but it's hard to really see the return on it because one, it's such a long thing. It's, you know, it's not one event that happened. It's, it's so long and drawn out, but yeah, that has helped a ton. And especially in public awareness and brand awareness, I think people know me now as they've seen that podcast. Maybe they haven't watched an episode, but they've seen me or heard of it or someone's talked about it. So I think that's helped a lot. Just getting the name out there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I definitely say it's top five. Is it the top thing? Yeah. Not yet. Hopefully okay. one day that's just flooding yeah. in from the podcast, but I feel like yeah. it could be huge. Yeah. And that's what I'm going for. And eventually we can expand it a little bit, maybe get to more than one episode a week, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But yeah, it is, it has been a good thing. And I had that plan for about a year because I was still living at my parents when I wanted to do this. And I said, the second I get out of and buy my house, which I did, I'm going to start this podcast room so I can start this up because I was so worried someone else was going to start the same idea. I was like, I got to get out of here so I can start this idea. So someone else doesn't take it. Um, and then eventually it worked out in my favor and Still running it. Awesome. So what's one thing that you wish you knew when you were first starting that you know now? That everything takes a lot longer than you think it's going to. I always thought, you know, this business, you look at it as five years now mm-hmm. and finally getting to the point where we're getting some, you know, you can kind of feel the energy, some traction that's been going on the last since 2023. Yeah. And that's taken four years to get to, right? Yeah. Like yeah. before it's sometimes it feels stagnant and it's going to take a lot longer. There's no such thing as an overnight success where you have to put in the work every single day, even if you don't want to. There are days when, you know, today I'm kind of dragging a little bit because I had four hours of sleep, but um, <laughs> you, there are days you, you just have to do it every single day and look at the macro. It's like, okay, I have look at it as a 10 year window rather than, well, what do I need to accomplish in a year? Because if I look at it by the time I'm 30, that's, you know, another six years. What can I accomplish until then? That's how I look at it. You just have to look at it from the long because nothing is ever as quick as you want it to be. Yeah. So I did want to go after you because I wanted to stay with you and just kind of observe you a little bit more so I could ask you some personal type of questions yep. here. So and why wh- do you wear that kind of underwear? <laughs> <laughs> why do you wear thongs? Yeah. <laughs> so you just bleep that out. Why do you wear <laughs> So one thing that I did like when I was on a shoot with you, you're what you have to do as uh is it director? Yeah, director, producer, director of photography, pretty much all you gotta lead everyone, you gotta talk and you gotta tell everyone what to do. And I think that's a really good skill to have. And just like how did you get to that point where you just always like that? Being I've always been lead and direct people I, like that. I've always been semi outgoing. Um, and I've learned to do it through experience because one thing, wow, there's a R2D2 stutter there. But I really remember early on 
on these video shoots, I would learn from experience, but early on in these video shoots, I didn't want to direct anybody and I didn't want to cut people off if they're not doing things properly, especially when it came to interviews. Uh, One thing that I really like to tell people during interviews is to rephrase the question and the answer. So if I say, Tyler, what's your favorite movie? You'd say, my favorite movie is, instead of you just saying, uh, you know, Godfather, you can't use that soundbite. So I would, at the beginning, I would just have them say the soundbite and then I didn't want to correct them because I thought I was being rude. Mm -hmm. Whereas now you just have to be stern. You just have to, and you, you, you phrase it as a friendly way. Like you're not trying to, but like, you're not trying to screw them over anything, but it's just going to make the video better. So I think through experience, I learned that a lot. And then I like to think I'm a people person. I like to try to make people laugh, make things yep. lighthearted. Yep. So that's what I try to bring on set to, you know, make jokes, uh, pretend I've been friends with this person for 15 years. Uh, you know, you saw it on the Hess shoot a little bit. I was yeah. giving guys shit, you know, yeah. hitting them on the chest and that kind of thing. So I think people are more willing to buy into what you're doing if you pretend like you've known them forever yeah. and then just make it lighthearted and fun. Because when everything's strict and it's got this way you have to do things, yeah. it gets a little, you know. Not fun. Yeah. The corporate structure. I know when I was doing a shoot, my first one, and I was just having them and directing them a little bit. I was just saying sorry nonstop. It's like, oh, yeah, sorry. We're going to have to. Oh, sorry. We have to do. Oh, I did that, too. Yeah. Yeah. Apologizing. It's like you shouldn't be sorry. And that's one thing I learned is take longer than you need. Before I would set up a shot. I'm like, oh, it's good enough. Mm -hmm. Take an extra 10, 15 minutes and actually get it how you want to, because one, it's going to make the video better. And the client doesn't know whether or not you're ready or not. They're not going to care if you say I need 10 more minutes. It's just only going to help. So you have to change that mindset. It's only in your head that it's happening. The client 90% of the time does not care. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they do, then just tell them to kick rocks. So some people are going to learn a little bit about Easton and how he lives his life. You like to prepare your food out the day before, the night before. And I'm, I'm assuming there's other areas that you do this as well. Do you? Is there other areas, say, like with work where you have to do like a to-do list at night? Like how is this preparation the night before set you up for success the next day? Yeah, I just, so as far as the food goes, I like <laughs> to set my, I have a container in my fridge. I put all the breakfast shit in that container that I'm going to need in the morning. One, because I'm not a morning person, so I don't want to, you know, wake up and have to think about things like that. And I do the same thing with my outfits. Uh, recently, I've started doing it with all every outfit of the week. Usually, it's the night before just one day. But now I'm like, screw it. Let's do all five. And I just stack <laughs> them and grab from the top for the week. But the reason I do it is because the more you can... I'm really into this whole batch thing. If I can batch do it and prepare, yeah. I'm set for the week. Okay, same. And then I know what's going to happen. Same with the food. As far as the work goes... I like to be prepared. The one thing uh, growing up, my mom was never on time to anything, and I just couldn't stand yeah, that. Same. And I, I always have to be on time and prepared and everything ready to go because if not, I feel rushed. I feel panicked. I feel like it's not going to be as good of a job. And I think there's a saying, uh, if you fail to prepare, you're prepared to fail. Yeah. And that's one thing that's really stuck with me. So I really like to make sure even like the van, like if I'm loading my van for a morning shoot um, like tomorrow, I'm going to Devil's Lake. Everything that goes to Devil's Lake will be in the van tonight. I'm not going to wake up in the morning and do it. Um, So I really like to prepare everything, make sure all the batteries are charged and everything, uh, and just make sure I'm ready to go double check, triple check, because, again, it just comes down to preparation again. Yeah, there's another quote that I really like as well that I've tried to do my best to listen to is it's better to be one hour early than show up one minute late, and I always try to... Oh, 100%. Yeah, I always try to do my best to be early, so. I, yeah, I I had a meeting yesterday in Bismarck, and it was at 2 o'clock, and I showed up at one twenty-five. 
Nice. Granted, I didn't want to drive all the way across town. I could have just yeah. been like, oh, I got some time. But no, I was like, I'll just go there and I'll mm-hmm. wait and I'll try to work on my phone in my car. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I hate it drives me nuts. And it drives me nuts when other people are late, too. Yeah. If we say two o'clock and you're there at 215 and you don't have an excuse. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm judging you hard. <laughs> you know what I mean? But if you're yeah. like, hey, like yesterday, uh, one of the ladies with us said one of our clients websites went down. I'm going to be five minutes late. Which I get that. That's an emergency. You mm-hmm. need to get their website back up and running. But if you're just like, oh, you walk in, you got a coffee in your hand and you're just like, yeah. oh, you're seven Starbucks. Like, I spent, sat in line for 15 minutes yeah. waiting for, yeah. And yeah. I think it's a respect thing going back to, you 100%. know, respect other people's time. I'm respecting 100%. yours. I'm showing up on time. So, yep. yeah. All right. So I don't know how much time we have left. Maybe we can just riff through these rather quickly. What's your favorite thing about being an entrepreneur? Favorite thing about being an entrepreneur is one working for myself. So, well, there's, it's twofold. One working for myself, allowing the, there's no cap. You know, if I want to make a million dollar company, I can do that. It's just, it's all in my hands, which is also downside for some things. You know, everything (laughs) falls on me. Extreme accountability or extreme ownership is out of it. Yeah. And then the second thing is the flexibility so the income's awesome to be able to make as much as you want, but the, also the flexibility yeah. to do it. Like if I want to drive to Montana tomorrow, yep. well, I can't tomorrow, but yeah. Saturday <laughs> or Monday or whatever, I can't Monday next week. I got shoes all next week, but generally uh, if I want to do whatever I can, like I'm going to Vegas this summer, I can just go to Vegas. I don't have to don't tell anybody. It. I don't have to ask anybody. Yep. I can just prepare for it and be like, okay, I'm going to be gone for four days. So I think that's probably the biggest benefit is having the flexibility to do whatever you want. Again, you have to manage that properly. If you yeah. just go willy nilly with it, yeah. your business is going to be fantastic, but you get what you put in. Exactly. So if you're not putting in, you're, you're, yeah. if okay. you put in four hours a week of work, then you're probably going to get four hours yeah. a week back in yeah. return. So, okay. Least favorite thing about being an entrepreneur. Least favorite thing. Um, sometimes I like the structure of being around people and that's where the shoots come into play. It's good to be out and talking to people. Um, but I would like, you know, when you're not here, it's, it's hard. You're alone a lot of the time Yeah. where if I had, and eventually if I have employees, this might change, but currently right now it's hard to just being doing your own thing. You're almost turned into like this hermit. Yeah. But, uh, Same yeah, thing it's working remote. Exactly. So I think that's what it is. I like the, the structure of being around people, but I'm not willing to sacrifice that to be boss around every day. All right. Actionable advice. What have you learned or biggest failure you've learned from? I'd say stick actionable advice, stick with something and run with it. Obviously you have to know when to quit if you've been doing it for a terribly long time and you're not getting better, but don't picture things as this is going to be, I'm going to be at zero and I'll be at a hundred in a week. Okay. Yeah. It might take two, three years and just get better every single day. Like I mentioned earlier in the, in the episode that, and then use the network that you have. So reach out to, and that's not specifically just making sales, but use the network for advice, uh, for questions, uh, to share your work and just use everyone you have at your disposal. Cause you never know what relationship is going to turn into what down the road. Okay. And since you didn't really answer it, what's your biggest <laughs> lesson that you've learned from a failure? Biggest lesson I've learned from a failure. Um, What's been a big failure of yours? Yeah, I don't know. I'm look, I'm I don't fail very often. Come on now. Uh, no one's perfect. Uh biggest failure. I mean, maybe one of the clients that I lost, one of the bigger clients, you this actually this is a good one. Treat every client or customer if you're in a service-based business like they're your only client. Because I think if you do that, like if I had just this one client and they were my only client and they were the only people paying me, mm-hmm. you would treat them much differently than if you had 50 clients. So yep. if you can and it's really hard to do, but if you can treat every single client like they're the only people that are paying you and that yep. 
their world means is your world, basically, that's when you're going to show or you're going to maintain your clients and you're going to be able to expand the business. But like I, I did one time, I neglected the contract a little bit and then, you know, you lose that deal and it's like, shit, I maybe should have put in a little bit more work. Love it. Last yeah. question. What's on the horizon for Easton Bennett or and 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 or BC? What's the plan? What's, what's the on plan? the horizon is that uh, hiring an editor, hopefully um, hiring uh Hopefully a couple of people. I already have one short form editor in India that I think we've talked about yep. on the show. Um, my buddy's going to be working this summer is almost like an internship and then hiring a full time editor and then really just growing the business. I mean, I want to the goal this year is 500K in revenue. If we can hit that, that would be awesome. But again, just growing the business every single day and eventually whether it's two, three, four years down the road, I want to have a cool office. I'm, yeah. a, I'm a sucker for cool offices and I really want one. Do you think you'll ever sell the business? Sell Maybe the like business. Way down the road. Um, Maybe way down the line, I don't see it within the next 10 years at all. Um, maybe even 20 years. Um, but I, I think I'd always want a hand in it. Yeah. But you never know. That that could change. I might 100%. run into something I want to do more. And if someone's like, hey, here's yep. $50 million, it's hard to be like, okay, well, <laughs> okay, I'll sell it. You can have it. So. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Moving on to our business idea segment. This is actually an idea that you've had and I'm trying to build off of it because I was actually running the other day and I thought about it and if there is like that actual app that you can have for an accountability partner or okay. make a group, but then there's like a set time range and let's say it's like you have to have, so like you can check it off and then like maybe you have like a picture attached with it and then like there's a timeline for it. So if it's not done by seven, it's going to alert the group and be like, Hey, this person hasn't finished it. So it's just oh, trying to build off of it. I like and that. I was just thinking about it because I don't know. I was just running the other day and I was like, what if there's like an accountability and these are like the five things that I want to get done today and just having like a group chat with it. And then it'll notify the group, be like this loser didn't do this, <laughs> this, and this, and, fucking and bomb. It, it'll be like a update. And then maybe it's like after a couple of days, if it doesn't ever change, it's like, it's been three weeks since you've accomplished this one and it's going to notify yeah. the group. And then, so I don't know. I just thought of maybe building off of it. Shame, 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 shame. That's what <laughs> exactly. you can tell. But yeah, yeah. because that was, uh, I think when I brought it up, was it a sleeping thing? You wake up or something? It was something like yeah, that. Yeah. Right? I think it was like, an, uh, yeah. So it's like waking up and starting the day or something like that. I like it. Uh, the only thing I see is like accountability partners. It's hard sometimes to, I, you'd have to get the buy-in from the people that actually want to do it because yeah. I think people are scared of getting reamed. Mm. They don't want to be, you know, well, they, they aren't on the right path then. Yeah, it's Fuck true. Them. I guess. Yeah. You don't want people that don't want to be held accountable. These are people that, yeah. that want to get it exactly you know, uh, shoved in their ass. Exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I like that. I don't know if I'd sign up for it because I'd probably have a run on there and then you would text me and I'd be like, why aren't you running? Okay, how about you fucking shut well, up? You get to choose whatever you want on that. You, like your your five could be different than it could even be like seven. It's like I want to yeah. accomplish these seven things. It could almost be an addition on to like a mastermind. Maybe that's something where if our mastermind blows up one day, we can just add that on as an addition. Yeah. And then there's like the Discord channel. Yeah. And then plug in the Discord channel right now. If you do want to sign up, you can email us at the midnight entrepreneur at gmail.com. Yes. We do have a growing audience in there. So yeah, we got three people now. Jorge, shout out you. Is Jorge yeah. listen to the show? Yeah, he does. Sick. So um yeah. And we're getting that thing fucking fired up. Man. <laughs> we're growing it. We're exactly. growing it. It's uh, gonna be huge one day. Yeah. So get some more people in there, start asking some business questions, utilizing that a little bit more. But yeah, I like the idea. Um, I would like it if I could enter my own thing. So it's like, hey, today I want to accomplish this, 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 and the other thing. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like your activity rings on your Apple Watch. 
Yeah. Because I have a competition right now with a couple of friends who are just kicking my ass. One's a UPS <laughs> driver, mm. and he fucking has 20,000 steps a day. Uh, but if you had your activity rings, like if Tyler sets his four goals of the day, he has to make this edit, do these Google ads, and then make these whatever calls. I think it would be a little bit different than that. I think it would be smaller goals, like because that that stuff like that would be something that you change daily. And I feel like I, I guess you set up for the weekly goals, though. Yeah, I feel like you could choose what what you want, but yeah. I was thinking more like daily. This is what I have to do daily. Mm-hmm. Like wake up before eight. Um, like, like your routine almost. Yeah, something okay. like that. Just so you're staying like maybe it's like bed by nine. Um, I think you could do both. Maybe you could have read, a section that's like read twenty pages. You have your accountability. Like here's your business accountability, and then this is the tasks you have on there, and then here's your routine. Yeah, maybe category. it's like this is what I want to accomplish every single day, and then the night before you can add stuff that you're gonna like it's a to do list. Okay, yeah, and then you could add that the night before. A gr- not and a group this goes list, into your preparation but... where you're planning the night before, and it's like Pick out this outfits. is what this is what yeah. I got. <laughs> this is what I got to accomplish tomorrow, and then it can lay like everything it. out. I like it. I like it, Tyler. Yeah. So do you want to get the outro? Yeah, sure. Okay. Should we do it together? <laughs> guys, <laughs> guys, just read the outro. We don't read it. <laughs> All right. Uh, Tyler, again, thank you for the interview. Uh, it went well. It's always fun to be on the other side of the interviews because I do so many of them. Yeah. I'm glad it went well. Do you got a quote? Or am I gonna yeah, I do. You're going to have okay. to switch it back to me. <laughs> That's episode. Is this 34? Yeah. Okay. That's episode 34 of the Midnight Entrepreneur. If you have any questions, I guess. Blah, 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 blah. That's episode 34 of The Midnight Entrepreneur. If you have any questions you'd like us to cover or answer, you can email us at themidnightentrepreneur at gmail.com. If you found value in this content or found this entertaining, share this with a friend or post it on your story. If you really enjoyed the show, we'd love a rating and review on wherever you're listening. Talk to you guys next week for another episode of The Midnight Entrepreneur. I got to find it. Taking the mic there. there. Marketing is no longer about the stuff you make, but the stories you tell. Seth Godin. I love it. I love stories. There you go. I tried to pick one that related to you. <laughs>